Well, hey, welcome to the 217th installment of the Dapper Dividends Podcast. I am your delectable and delightful host, Russ. Who am I? Well, you probably didn't know it, but you are in the presence of greatness because you are being spoken to by the number one dividend investing welder on the podcast circuit, on the YouTube circuit, on the newsletter circuit. I dare you to show me, Russ at DapperDividends.com, another dividend investing welder. You cannot do it because it's right here. It's happening now. What's going on? Super Bowl's over and done with. Honestly, for those of us here in the good old United States of America, America, I think that we should have the Super Bowl on Saturday because it's crazy. I know that there's a bunch of people. The roads seem a little lighter this this morning when I was driving around. A lot of people. It's a national holiday for all intents and purposes. It's an unofficial national holiday here in the United States. We don't really celebrate. I was at a volleyball tournament. I didn't get home until there was about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. I was following along on my phone, as uh, some football fans tend to do, watching my daughter, my 16-year-old, play volleyball. And it's cool. You know, there's going to be more Super Bowls. There's going to be plenty of Super Bowls, but my daughter, this is only a short little window that we have this with them. So uh, that paid a different kind of a dip. You know, actually, I looked up dividend in the dictionary and check it out from the Oxford language. Dividend is a, there's a few definitions, a few definitions. And by the way, yeah, so it's this. I didn't smack your ear holes with a new podcast episode because, hey, I'm busy. Life got in the way. Sat, uh, Sunday just got away from me with volleyball tournament. I had a live stream that I did. I had to get the newsletter out and uh, the Super Bowl was on by the time I got home. I'm sorry if I, pardon me, if I didn't feel like recording a podcast when I had been doing all that stuff all day. Anyway, what is that? That's Rich Snooty Guy. So a dividend. Back to that old jam is a sum of money paid regularly, typically quarterly, by a company to its shareholders out of its profits or reserves or payment also divided among a number of people. Example, members of a cooperative or creditors of an insolvent estate, an individual's share of a dividend, or check this one out, a benefit from an action or policy. And obviously, that's why we say persistence pays dividends. The feeling I got watching my daughter play volleyball, even though they didn't do so well, paid dividends in and of itself. Maybe their memory dividends, whatever they are. It's kind of, I bring this up to you because I've been looking, listening to Ian Castle. He is a microcap investor. And it's a really interesting thought. He was on We Study Billionaires. I shared it in my podcast. Two things he talked about, actually. One of them was active patience which I think is fantastic idea that he shared with all of us on that podcast, which again, if you had signed up for my newsletter, uh, you can go to Russ at DapperDividends.com and see the back issues and sign up for the new ones if you would be so kind. It's free, no, no cost to you for the low, low price of free. And what does everybody say? They say, if it's free, it's for me. So anyway, back to Ian Castle, what he talked about was active patience. And the whole idea behind that concept means you have to know exactly what you are looking for and then doing nothing until you see that. And that nothing could encompass days, months, or years. And that's where I think Warren Buffett is has active patience and his temperament, his discipline. 
dude, he's even said during many times over that a high IQ probably will work against you in the world of investing, but having a great temperament is just going to pay dividends in and of itself. And it's it may take you years to figure out exactly what you want. It may mean you're going to have to turn over a lot of stones. You're going to have to buy things like that's what I've been going through. And there's nothing wrong with that, with selling for a loss, because you realize that that's not something you want to be invested in yet. And I'm struggling through this with AT&T, right? I understand whole opportunity cost. I could have that money into something I do have a high conviction of, like Nextstar Media Group, which we bought more shares last week when it flash crashed. So we'll get into that. We'll do some dividend news. The thing I wanted to tell you is that I'm going to start experimenting, looking into some micro caps because those are micro cap, market cap, nano cap, some of them, you know, a couple hundred million dollars market cap. And the thought being that you can greatly multiply your money by it just going up a couple million dollars or a hundred million dollars in market cap. You can really, really hit home runs with that. You can get 10 baggers. You can get 100 baggers. Essentially, what Ian Castle said is what you want to look for. And I think this applies to a lot of businesses is people think investing in the micro cap world is really risky, but there's a lot of opportunity and you can deleverage a lot of that risk by looking for businesses that don't have a lot of leverage that they're trying to use to grow the business or the ones that also aren't diluting the hell out of shareholders and looking for ones that are profitable. Like that's one of the biggest ones. Are they profitable? Are they growing? That eliminates, I think he said maybe 85% or so of the uh, micro cap and even uh, nano cap stocks. Just don't even look at them. If they're not profitable, forget about it. Don't even think about those businesses. And uh, more often than not, you're going to find a lot of interesting things. So be on the lookout. I may dip my toe. I'm going to look to see. And also because some of these are so small, these businesses, institutional investors, Warren Buffett can't invest in them. They're too big. It wouldn't move the needle. It would be a drop in the ocean of Berkshire Hathaway if he were to try to invest in a $200 million market cap business. They find that in Warren's couch in his office in the couch cushions. So they could just buy the business outright. It would make no sense to even try and buy it on the stock market. So with that being said, dear dividend invest or investor, dear investing listener, here is some stock news, mostly dividend news. This is from Simply Safe Dividends. And if you are on the live stream, you'll see all these. But for those of you that didn't catch it, I'll recap it for you. So on February 5th, that's where we're jumping in. We're starting at Simon Property Group, ticker SPG, which is the mall REIT. They think fancy malls. A lot of the outlet malls here in northern Illinois, there's Gurney Mills. There is the Aurora Outlet Mall. I can't think of the name of it. Then there's the one up in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. They have the uh, Pepperidge Farm Outlet Store. Swing by there if you're there. Lots of good deals uh, on your goldfish up there. So the Simon Property Group, they own a lot of the outlet malls, things like that. Uh, they raised their dividend 2.6%, but it's still about 7% below the pre-pandemic level. Dividend yield 5.35%. Dividend safety score of 50. Borderline safe. We're going to go quick here. Tractor Supply Company, ticker TSCO, raised their dividend 6.8%, which is their 15th consecutive year of dividend raises. 1.86% yield. They do grow it kind of quick, though. 
and dividend safety score of 68 safe. DuPont, ticker DD, got that old double D. Double D increases the payout from by five by five point six percent, which is their third raise since they split off from Dow DuPont in 2019. 2.22% yield, dividend safety score of 70 safe. Gilead, the biotech company that we invested in a while ago, raised their dividend 2.7%, which is their eighth straight year of increasing payouts. 4% dividend yield, dividend safety score of 70 safe. 3M, this one's interesting, but they are, as they say here, stubbornly committed to their 65-year dividend growth streak. Another penny raise. They've been doing that penny raise for, what, five, six years now? Something like that. It's a 0.67% raise. You see, they still keep the dividend crown, the dividend king crown, but, I mean, it, you're not even getting 1% raises here. But they give it a dividend safety score of 40, unsafe, 6.38% yield. And I think... Obviously, they're trying to keep that balance sheet somewhat shored up when they're going to be having to finalize eventually the uh, PFAS, the Forever Chemicals, and the earplug law, the military earplug lawsuits. So until that's resolved, they're not going to give much raises. But I think my spidey sense tells me they're going to cut that dividend when they spin out later this year their consumer health business. Kind of like Johnson & Johnson, they spun out the Kenview, what became Kenview, the consumer health and that's, you know, your Band-Aid, I think your Neutrogena. I, I sometimes get it confused, all the stuff that, that, but all that stuff, the products you find on the shelves at Walgreens and CVS, things like that. They spun that out. Johnson & Johnson kept their medical technology, the med tech, and the pharmaceutical business under the Johnson & Johnson name. So 3M, you know, we'll see. Uh, I've, I talked to a couple people. Uh, one of them was Jonah Weingarten. So if you remember him, he was on the live stream and he said that he's talked to a few people because he's up there in Minnesota and a lot of them say stay away from 3M. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a dumpster fire around there. Whether that's true, I guess it'll uh, it'll all be known one day. Prudential, we own Prudential, which by the way, you want to see what we got in the portfolio, go to dapperdividends.com, click that portfolio tab and you'll be brought to Get Quinn, which is where we're sharing the portfolio now because uh, where I was at the dividend tracker, it wasn't updating the portfolio. I kept having to do it manually instead of it doing it every night. So uh, enough of that. Enough of that. We went to Gitquin, which was uh, brought to my attention by Mr. Ryan Williams. Shout out, Mr. Williams, who I'm going to see. He's out there in Vegas. I'll be going to Vegas April 6th to see Social Distortion and Bad Religion. Brought my family. Daddy was talked into it by mommy to stay at the Paris somewhere a little nicer because I was looking at Circus Circus, the Strat, Excalibur, uh, Flamingo. These are hotels on the Strip that are the lower end, let's just say. They're not very nice. But we had credit card points, uh, reward points, and you know what? I, I said, you're right. Let's give the kids a, a nicer memory. Let's give them a nice stay. So we're going to stay at Paris and I'm glad I did that. You know, I want to be wealthy. I need to start thinking wealthy and getting on the frequency of wealth and vibrating at that frequency because trying to look like I'm poor and dress like I'm poor and act like I'm poor so I can have more money to buy dividends. What's the point, right? It's like that janitor who ended up having a net worth of $8 million when he died. People thought he was destitute. 
people at the old folk where old people went to get a really cheap meal, he would he wouldn't want to pay the meter. He would look for pre, free parking blocks away. I think his name was Richard Reed, right? Leonard Reed's a musician. I think it was Richard Reed. He had winter coats that he had clothes with holes in them. He had a winter coat that was falling apart. It was held together with safety pins. <laughs> And the people there were like, Mr. Reed, do you, are you okay? Because he lived like he was poor. Everybody thought he was dirt poor. Had an $8 million net worth. Now, if you ask me, what was the difference between Mr. Reed and an actual poor person? You're telling me just because he could show me a bank account statement that showed he had an $8 million net worth? But day in, day out, lived the life of a poor person. I think he was poor. I don't care what his bank account statement says. So we don't want to do that. I don't want to instill that to my kids. So anyway, long way of saying, you know what? Life is short. Spend lavishly on the things you love after you've saved, hopefully, at least 20% of your income. And then just cut mercilessly on everything else. Spend lavishly on the things that truly bring you joy. Because, right, they say you can afford anything, but you can't afford everything. So make that anything be something that you truly do love and brings you happiness. Like potentially investing in air products and chemicals, ticker APD, which has had some issues because of softening manufacturing in China, which is 15% of their sales. And there's a lower demand for helium, which is used to create semiconductors. And that's they've, they've gotten their stock price hammered down. So air products and chemicals reaffirmed at 95, very safe, but they grew their dividend 1.1% in January of 24. This is a position that we want to start. And I'm close. I want the mid 180s, mid to upper 180s. Hershey, ticker HSY, raised their dividend 15%. They're a very solid company. I like all the numbers. So honestly, I should probably just sell AT&T and put it all into Hershey if, if I was smart. But uh, hey, you know what? We're, we're still working through some things. But they get a dividend safety score of 93, current yield of 2.83%. And that yield is way above. It's like 34% above their five-year average. Financial exchange and data company CME raised their dividend 4.5%, which is their 10th straight year of dividend growth. 96, very safe, 2.22% yield. Another financial exchange and data company, ICE, ticker ICE, raised that dividend 7.1%, and that's their 10th consecutive year. And I do believe they have the New York Stock Exchange under their uh, their moniker, their name, in-house, whatever you want to call it. Dividend safety score of 89, 1.33% yield. And they have some pretty quick growth, 7.1%, right? BCE, the AT&T or Verizon of Canada, raised that dividend 3.1%. But I just, I don't care what what how long they've had that. They've uh, paid dividends every year since 1949. Man, it's just, we put them on our list because that dividend coverage is stretched heavy because of the investments in fiber optic internet, 5G wireless, and AT&T, right? They said the same thing that, yeah, we had to invest in these upgrades and infrastructure and blah, blah, blah. Now we're going to make the money. But you know what? There's going to be another thing, something else that they're going to have to spend heavily on to keep up with the competition. So that's something I've learned on my journey. If a business has uh, heavy capital expenditures, heavy capex, and they are in a heavily competitive, highly competitive environment, probably not a good place to invest. Unless the only thing that I can really think of that would have really high capex 
is the utilities, the regulated public utilities. But that's the thing. It's kind of a quasi monopoly, right? Where we have Duke Realty or Duke Energy, which we may be selling out of later in the week to consolidate further. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. But those businesses, you can kind of predict and gauge the return on that CapEx spending, where with an AT&T, Verizon, with a BCE, there's no return. There's no guaranteed return on any of that. So that's something that I've learned sharing with you that we have to be aware of is look out. Just just saying, if there's high CapEx and it's a highly competitive uh, industry, look out. Interpublic, they do advertising, ticker IPG, raise that dividend 6.5%, which is their 12th consecutive annual increase. Dividend safety score of 70, yield of 4.12. MPLX, which is a master limited partnership. They were formed in 2012 by Marathon Petroleum. They do oil and gas storage and transportation. Safety score 41, borderline safe. They last raised that dividend 9.7% in October and a dividend yield of 8.93. But remember, they are a master limited partnership. So that you get a K-1 with that, creates a little bit of a tax headache. And even if you own it inside of a tax-advantaged account, as long as your dividend income is or your distribution income is under $1,000 a year, then you don't have to do a K-1. You don't pay tax on it. But the first dollar over 1000 you will get a K-1, and you will have to pay tax on that. So... PepsiCo, you know I love PepsiCo. We're almost done. Last two, raise their dividend 7.1%. That's their 52nd straight year of their uh, annual payout growth. And we love them. We love them. 3.18% dividend yield, safety score of 93. Their brands are just, I mean, there's no competitor for Doritos. And uh, you know what? I don't care that it's getting healthier. They're a living, breathing entity. They are going to expand into the no sugar uh, Ramon LaGuarta, their CEO, talked about non-sugar is king, like low sugar, no sugar. That's what they're going to do. So they're going to expand into that. They're going to shift with the consumer market that's shifting. And, you know, they're just going to buy brands. If there's some crazy health nut competitor that pops up, they're just going to buy it. That's what they're going to do. Then That's called non-organic growth, everybody. They did not in- develop it in-house, so that would be non-organic acquisition and uh, or growth. And last one, principal financial, ticker PFG, which is life and health insurance, raised that dividend 3%, which is their 15th straight yeah of dividend growth, dividend safety score of 72, and a yield of 3 0.50%. And now, dear dividend investing listener, we bought more Nexstar Media Group, ticker NXST. And this is all centered around the sports streaming app that was announced from Fox. It's a joint venture, right? Fox, Warner Brothers Discovery, and Disney are launching later this year. A sp- so any sports that's under those three names will be rolled into this one app for the sports nut. It's going to cut out all the bloat that people who only want sports, they don't care about any of the other stuff, so they'll get their sports. And this, it felt a little bit like creative destruction, right? Which is pretty much at the heart of capitalism. And it's something every business is going to face. I know Warren has talked about when you have a business 
that has a moat. They have that protective moat. It's always going to be under attack. And it's just a matter of time before something that's cheaper, better, faster, new innovation is just going to breach that fortress wall. And you got an invader. They're going to bring you down. And it you just don't know when. It could take 300 years or it could take three years. But, you know, there's kind of a thought that they say the longer something has been around, the longer the possibility that it will be around. And the shorter something's been around, the possibility is way shorter. So obviously, that, I mean, kind of makes sense. But that's our challenge as investors. We kind of have to keep an eye, unless you're buying the index, which is self-cleansing. You know, the businesses that go away, that fail, they fade away, get kicked out. And those new businesses that come out of nowhere and blow up, they find their way in and they start climbing the ranks. So unless you're index investing, you really do have to keep an eye on these individual stocks. It's just the way it is. And if you don't like it, if you don't like the challenge, if you don't like the feeling, there's nothing wrong. Just, you know, not financial advice. Just buy a VTI, the whole U.S. stock market. You could buy VOO, the 500 mostly biggest companies in the United States, you know, and they're self-cleansing. But the example I shared in the newsletter was the Durant Dort Carriage Company, which was founded in 1886, right? Horse and buggy company. By 1900, they were the number one U.S. horse-drawn buggy company. But check it out. Their founder, its founder, William Durant, sold out of the business in 1914. And they stopped making carriages in 1917. And it was dissolved in 1924. So 1886, it was founded. And it stopped making carriages in 1917. So that took 31 years for creative destruction to claim another victim. And while the sports streaming app could be a little bit of creative destruction, right? Trying to provide something that would cut in potentially on the affiliates, especially the sports, the local sports affiliates that's going to affect ad revenue for Nextstar Media Group. It's just another blow, especially to legacy cable and satellite companies but i think i still think broadcast has a place and you know it's it's kind of almost feels in my opinion that this is going to be one step forward and two steps back for these three businesses with disney fox and warner brothers who are each going to have a third stake and if you look at the streaming environment it has pretty much been a cash burning unprofitable venture for everybody not named Netflix, Netflix is the one that's getting it done. And especially for Disney and Fox, they have local broadcast affiliates, so they could be taking business away from themselves. I just think that in a best case scenario, it's going to be revenue neutral for them. Maybe a net negative it could be for all involved. But we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. So because of that news, Nextstar Media got hammered. They were down as much as 10% the next day. So they had been trading around 170 bucks, and they dropped to the mid-150s where I swooped in, picked up four more shares. And of course, now it's rebounded. It's back to almost 170, a week, not even a full week later. But everybody just assumed that it's going to hurt their profit margins in the future. But honestly, what I think this is a good it's a headwind, yeah, if it comes to pass. But like I said, there, and there may be lawsuits, right? The SEC may not like this. There may be, obviously, Nextstar could file a lawsuit. 
Uh, Fubo's probably going to file a lawsuit. So we'll we'll see what's going to happen with it. But even if it goes through, I'm going to bet on Nexstar. I call them Nexstar's jockey, their founder and CEO, Perry Sook. The dude has over 43 years of industry experience and he grew from nothing. He's grown Nexstar into a media behemoth. So if there's anyone that might find new opportunities to navigate the changing media environment, I really think it's Perry Sook. I think he could do it. And again, that just brings us to such a critical aspect of investing in individual businesses, which is understanding and trusting the management team. And it's one of Warren Buffett's core tenets, right? He says, we want a business we understand and we want a management team we like and trust. And then we want the business at a fair or attractive price. So for me, those three things met the criteria. But honestly, as I said, you could have the best. Mr. Durant, he could have been the world's best business manager when the world changed. If the world no longer wants your product or service, uh, the writing's on the wall. It's not going to matter how good of a business manager you are when you got no money coming in because nobody wants what you're selling anymore. And it's just, it so, seems so simplistic to think that, that when we buy a share of stock, we're trusting the management that they're going to make smart decisions. They're going to increase the profitability of the business, which is going to increase the demand for the stock, which is going to raise the share price. Because I really do think Ben Graham had it right when he said over the short term, the market is a voting machine. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine. So yours truly is going to be keeping a very close eye on Nexstar over the coming years, right? I'm not making any rash decisions. And if the thing I start to see is if I see their revenue steadily declining and their margins steadily declining, I'm telling you right now, I hope you hold me to it, that it's going to be time to exit owning this business. And not because I didn't like them, but because the business environment changed. And I ended it with saying, as John Maynard Keynes said, quote, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do? So that's what I do. But I can tell you what I bought before we get up on Acha. Yeah, I, well, I received dividends from Albertsons, $1.32 on those 11 shares. I'm consolidating the portfolio, got tired of waiting for the merger, which now I'm hearing rumblings. People are thinking it may not go through. So I don't want to own them anymore, waiting for the, the merger arbitrage, which means that they it would be 25 and change, almost $26 a share, and they were at like 21 15 when I sold. So there would have been upside there. But if it doesn't go through, hey, you know, it was only 11 shares. I got tired of holding them, and uh, I'll tell you about Duke next week. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just, it's, it's not you, Duke, it's me. It's all me. So what we bought were three shares of realty income at $53.10. This is last week average. One share of Toronto Dominion Bank, ticker TD, $59.64. We got those four shares of Nexstar Media Group at $156 on average. Three shares of Johnson & Johnson, ticker J&J, at $155.50. Really would love to see that closer to $150 so I could just get all the way up to 100 shares of J&J. And then five shares of Hero Incorporated, which remember, they're the ophthalmologic, eye drugs, eye care. I love their founder. He's a disciple of Warren Buffett. They don't pay a dividend, but I think that they are establishing a really nice portfolio, going to do a lot of good in the world. 
And yeah, bought those at $9.30. We're up to maybe 100, almost 110 shares. And our, yeah, our cost basis is 18. So we're down quite a bit. But that's what's to be expected with some of these smaller market cap companies is that if they miss earnings, the market usually crushes them. And that can be great buying opportunities. So that's what we did. That's what we bought. And like I said, this week, we're likely going to sell out of Duke Energy. I almost said Duke Realty again. Not going not gonna to do it. So I love it. I thank you so very much, dear dividend investing listener, for swing on by the podcast. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter because it's free and fantabulous. And I really do appreciate you lending me your ears so I could come into them for about 30 minutes or so. I'm tired now. I'm spent. I love you, even though I don't know you. This is crazy. (laughs) Anyway, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you so very much. Have a great, great rest of your morning, noon, or night. (laughs) So long, everybody.